You know, coming at it older, again, I was I was 40 when I went into the private world of personal training or the, the private fitness, you know, business. And I mentioned that, you know, I had to learn to smile and things like that. That was because of what I was doing. But I will say this, for anybody that's thinking of a career change, you have a lot of life experience and you have a lot of professional experience that is going to be a massive asset when you jump into something new that someone who's just starting out, maybe, you know, just out of high school, out of college, just hasn't had the time to accrue yet. And the word I'm going to use, and I'm pretty dang passionate about this, is professionalism. I believe that that is why uh, I went from, you know, let me give this a try to matching my income within a year. Uh, I, I was right back where I was at a captain uh, in income because I was a professional. All those years of understanding that, you know, you don't gossip, you don't use foul language, you show up early, you don't show up on time, you're always fully prepared, you communicate uh, excessively uh, what you're going to do, what you did, and what you're going to do next time and what homework there might be. It's all of the professionalism that you learn in, in, you know, in a career, regardless of that career, that you can bring to the table that I'm, I'm here to tell you, you're going to end up heads and tails above the younger folks, not because they're, you're any smarter, not because you're any better, but you've had you know, maybe decades of opportunities to make, make mistakes, is what I like to say, is make a lot of mistakes and learn from them and, and be able to show up prepared. Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. That voice you just heard is a guest for this episode, Mr. Dan Duran. The reason why I wanted to interview Dan today is because he did something that that a lot of you out there might be thinking of doing. Dan made a career change. Dan had a completely different career doing something that a lot of us may have aspired to or may have may look at as like a dream job or dream opportunity. But what Dan did is at some point in his career, in his first career, he realized it wasn't fulfilling him, so Dan became a personal trainer. Not only that, Dan now works for the International Sports Sciences Association. That's ISSA. And that's Dan's job. Dan's job is the Vice President of Business Development for ISSA. That's one of the larger personal training certifications out there. Recently, as part of my job at EOS Fitness, we're starting to work and collaborate a little bit more with ISSA. So I was on their podcast with Dan, and hearing his story a little bit, I decided, hey, let me have Dan come on my podcast, come on All About Fitness, for two reasons. One is I think he has a pretty interesting story to share about how he transitioned from one career into becoming a personal trainer in the fitness industry. That's the one reason. And number two is we talk a little bit about that career transition, what it takes to make a career transition from another career into fitness, and then how you can be successful as a personal trainer once you make that career transition. So I'm having this conversation because I know you're out there. I know you're listening. And that's you're sitting there thinking, oh man, I really, I'm not into my job. I love working out. I love the gym. How can I make my hobby? How can I make what I'd love to do my career? That's what I did. That's what Dan did. That's what so many other people in the fitness industry have done is we love exercise that we made our career. That's what this conversation is about today. How Dan transitioned from a previous career into his career in fitness and how you can do the same. So if you're wondering how you can change your career, if you're wondering how you can become a personal trainer, that's exactly why I'm having this conversation with Dan Duran, the Vice President for Business Development for the International Sports Sciences Association. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to this, Pete. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I am too, and I'm looking, especially since the fact, and, and just for listeners, if you're listening, we were just talking a little bit offline, and I didn't realize your background, Dan. You kind of come at fitness from a little bit different background than some of us did. So real quick, before we, before we go into the discussion today, let's quick first dis- describe what ISSA is, and then have you share your role with ISSA. Sure, sure. So ISSA, International Sports Sciences Association, that's a tough one to say fast repetitively. Uh, some people call us ISSA, but uh, ISSA, we're actually a 34-year-old company. Uh, our hamburger, so our main menu item going back 34 years, a certified personal trainer. And uh, over the last three, four years, we've added 20 plus 
plus specializations or certifications to you know keep sharpening your sword, so to speak, add tools to your tool belt. And my role here is really working here in the in the the, the business world. We call it B two B, business to business. So I oversee and and assist with partnerships with other businesses such as health clubs, colleges, prisons, uh, youth facilities, etc as well as the international distributor space. That's, I'm going to come back to the prison thing for a second, Dan, because that's something that's intriguing. I'm going to come back to in, the, in a little bit, but you're one of the few people, and just for listeners, there's a very, very small group of people in the fitness industry who have worked for certifications, right? I think we could almost have our own little like internal, like those of us that have worked for certifications. But like, Dan, I came at this from, I, I was a personal trainer. I've been an exercise science geek pretty much my whole adult life, my whole professional life. So for me to kind of go from the evolution of a personal trainer into education and doing the other things I'm doing was kind of natural. I saw that as an opportunity. But you came from a completely different career before you got into fitness. So let's let's start there. Let's talk a little bit about what your career was before you got into fitness and what happened that that you decided to make this your career. Yeah, great question, Pete. Um, So I spent 22 years from the age of 18. I started working for the state of California. And um, where I ended up is working for the law enforcement, a law enforcement division. And when I went through my academy, you know, a training academy, I quickly fell in love with the education component and especially the what we call the manipulative skills. So farm, self-defense, physical fitness and driving, anything that was like hand-eye coordination and so forth. And so uh, I said to myself, someday I want to be that instructor. Someday I want to be the one running this academy. And, uh, you know, uh, all the stars lined up and uh, I quickly got into instructing and training and eventually was a captain and I ran our police academy. I taught at several police academies and colleges as well as fire academies, including teaching uh, physical fitness and training trainers to to teach at the, the academy. So my passion was actually education teaching and uh, anything that revolved around movement. So it was like hazardous materials, forget about it. Um, Talking about laws and statutes, boring. But if it was kinesthetic and it was movement-based, that was, I I got real fired up about it. And I did all those things, loved it. it, You know, it, it, it kept me busy. But meanwhile, I was pumping iron seven days a week. You know, in my early 20s, I thought I was a power lifter. So I'd been lifting a lot of heavy weight. Uh, I, I was uh, studying martial arts three, four nights a week, teaching martial arts two to three days a week, and basically came at it from the mentality of I'll sleep when I'm dead, I'll drink when I'm done, I'm a high-speed ninja warrior, uh, high-speed low-drag ninja warrior, uh, you know, recovery and sleep is for the week, and it beat me up. By the time I was 40, I was falling apart, I was 50 pounds overweight, still hit the gym seven days a week, I had ulcers, I had arthritis, the list is really long, and um, I met somebody. Rodney Korn, uh, who at one time was director of education of NASM and had started a new company and started chatting with him at the same time. I thought I'd take on a part-time gig as a personal trainer since I was already doing fitness and really the rest is history. Um, my health was bad. I was drinking too much. I was sleeping too little and eating, you know, nothing but protein and bagels thinking that was the right way to go. Uh, and through education, again, education, really good education, I learned the importance of quality movement, less is more, recovery, uh, all of the things that go along with it, and gotten the very best health of my life after the age of 40. And now, there are a couple, well, real quick, there are a couple things with that, Dan. Number one, I love the fact that you're saying you've gotten the best health of your life after the age of 40. And yeah. I think for people listening, I, I think that, I don't know about you, but for me, that, that there's a lot of hope there. Because I think sometimes we think that once we get past a certain age, oh, I'm, you know, now that I'm 40, whatever, I can't be fit. That's only for when you're young. So I love the fact that you said, wait a minute, you hit the brakes and you looked at it and said, I can do this different. Now, let's take a moment here because in your career, in the last number of years, you were there as an officer as we started getting this whole field of tactical fitness, right? So when you started your law enforcement career, what was the mentality towards fitness and exercise and how that how did that evolve throughout the course of your career? That's a really good question. So when I started, there really wasn't anything taught. There was no methodology. There was um, 
it was basically what you needed to do to pass the PT test. And so that's what you trained in. So jumping fences, doing a, a kind of a speed agility quickness with a body drag that was required. So you trained for that running a timed run, push up, sit-ups, things like that. So it was, it was like high school, you know, PE doing old school, you know, uh, sit-ups and so forth. And that was really the methodology we used for training. Then at the same time, I taught at the academy level and college level, lifetime fitness was the name of the course. Mm. And it talked a little bit about nutrition, a little bit about some of the stuff, but still was nothing like a sort a good quality certification will give you. But by the end of my evolution in that field, CrossFit was actually being introduced and, and, and that, like that, you know, let's, I, I know you hate the word, uh, we all do functional movement, but that really started to, to jump in. And there were various brands making pitches to police academies. And in our case, it was CrossFit that came in trying to introduce a different form of training and strength training. And about that time I was teaching also at a fire academy, a couple of them. And what I would do is just grab what was there. So our men and women were carrying uh, tanks, oxygen tanks and hoses and going up and down ladders. Whatever they use in their job is what I use to strength train them. So it was kind of a hybrid of that. And, and that's what we were doing then. I, can't, I don't know. It's been over 10 years since I've been involved in that. So I don't know where they're at now. But I, th- but I think that's such an important transition, Dan, because you're right from observation and this is from from an outside perspective of looking at, at how law enforcement and first responders my perception was they always train like bodybuilders and it was only been it's only been the last number of years maybe 10 15 years where you've had people say wait a minute time out if you're in a first responder job you should be training like an athlete not training like a bodybuilder right and how would you describe that like how would you describe the difference between training to move and training for appearance Oh, there's no doubt that there's a difference. And um, I mean, I trained like a bodybuilder uh, for decades. And uh, just to be honest, it beat me up. It beat up my joints. It beat up my body. Um, If I hadn't trained in martial arts, I probably would have lost a lot of mobility and flexibility along the way as well. But it's very different. It definitely is training like an athlete. And I like to say, that one of the biggest differences in a first responder, and I'm just going to put it all in that overarching umbrella, is you have to be able to go from zero to 100 very quickly. And, and the ability to do that without injury and to be able to perform at your highest level, that requires true training, periodized training, all of the things that, that we learn again in a certification in the space we're in about injury prevention and preparing the body for movement, where we didn't do any of that stuff. Um, I mean, it was old school, like, you know, when I was a, a high schooler, static stretching at the beginning and, and just the, you know, scissors and with your legs, just old school stuff. But there was no periodization plan to it. There was no uh, multi-directional real training to it, which is what a first responder needs because they're, I mean, they're carrying things, they're pulling things. Uh, in the case of a police officer, they're carrying a belt around their waist that weighs upwards of 20 pounds. They're going from a seated position for eight hours a day and suddenly having to get up and run or get up and move there. They definitely have to train in a different modality to be prepared for what they're going to need to respond to. Well, it's funny. Years and years ago, when I was a personal trainer in Washington, D.C., one of my clients, uh, her husband was a Secret Service officer and he was on the uh, what do you call it? Um, he was on the counter assault team at, at, at the White House. So he was one of the guys. He wasn't just a Secret Service officer, but he had a special locker with uh, special equipment in case anybody came over the fence um, at the White House. And we were talking about that. And, Dan, what's funny is there's a time when, when you know, my client was like, hey, can you talk to, to my husband? He's having some shoulder issues and everything. And, and the funny thing is I was talking to him, and his, his workout program was basically like bench press eight days a week. You know, he's a Secret Service guy. And you know the mentality. And oh, I was yeah. like, well, I was like, there might, and I'm, of course, I'm not being literal, but, and I said to him, I'm like, there might, you might be doing too much chess given the fact that your job requires you to move and not use muscle isolation. You should have seen the look on his face, Dan, when I told him that he shouldn't bench press for a few weeks. <laughs> and just, I mean, could you imagine going back to your younger self as a cop and saying, hey, wait a minute, you should be training in a different way? I mean, how, when was it, when was it that you learned? you started learning more about movement and started realizing how important that movement was towards an exercise program. It certainly was after leaving uh, state service. It was after. I didn't learn any of that during. 
And again, it was, it was, and I had to learn, I'm, I'm, I don't have the, I didn't go to school for exercise science. I went to school for criminal justice and environmental studies and things like that. And so I had, I, I'm, but I, 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 I need to know the facts. I need to know the science. Don't just tell me this is why you should do this. Cause I'm sorry. You know, I don't buy it. I want to see the research behind it. I want to see the science behind it. And that's why actually going through a certified personal trainer course and being mentored by somebody help, who helped create that education, like you, who could give me the why, this is why you need to do that. That was a whole new, I mean, that was a game changer because now I'll listen and I will apply, but don't just tell me. And, and you know, that comes with that stubborn piece that, that you know, I, I, I think I've had for longer than uh, I need. Uh, I'm not good at being told what to do, but if you show me why I should do it, that's a different story. That, that's a whole different podcast right there, Dan. Why, why is it that if we sit there and you tell one of us to do something, we go, okay, I get it. But we have to understand. I mean, it's like, but there's that hesitancy, right? There's that normal human of like, I get the fact this might be good for me, i.e. regular exercise or eating healthy, but eh, I'm not going to do it in, in, until I have to. And, and as you came on board, so as you started getting into fitness, what was it? I mean, what was it about fitness that you found appealing? As you as you started making that transition, say, okay, I did X amount of years. I, I worked. I worked for state agencies. I know I was very. When you work for the state, you know what to expect. I know day to day your job can change, but at least you have some expectation there in terms of how things are going to go. When you started coming to the fitness industry, how how was that? In, I don't want to say environment, but how was that culture? How did you adapt to that culture change when you first made that transition? That's that I get that that could almost be a podcast too. Uh, the biggest eye opener for me, Pete, was when I was in government because of who I was teaching. It's a very militaristic, hmm. you know. I think that's the term we like to use, but it's kind of a militaristic militaristic setting. I tell you what to do, you say yes, sir, and you do it. That's it. There's no whining. There's no rationalization. There's no, why am I doing this? You, you just better do it, or I'm going to find a way to boot you out of here. When you step into the world of private, I call it private, uh, the private world of fitness or personal training, it doesn't work that way. You tell people what to do, and they're not going to stick around very long. Uh, there, there has to be a why behind it, but then you also are selling. So when I was in the government, I had a budget to spend, and if I didn't spend it every year, then it would get cut next year. So I'd find, you know, I didn't have to make money. The only thing I ever sold was my kids' chocolate bars in the break room you know, <laughs> for their school fundraiser. That was it. And yeah. so a, another transition or a huge eye-opener was that I had to put a dollar amount on my service, and I had the, the confidence that I was worth it. And then I had the confidence to be able to explain why it was worth it to, to that other person. And probably the third piece that was <laughs> interestingly really hard for me was just learning to smile and to you know, be personable and to actually listen. Because in the world of law enforcement, unless you're doing an actual interview where you're having to take notes of everything they're saying, a lot of the times when you ask questions, it's just to distract that person while you're writing a ticket, while you're searching their car. You ask a question, but you don't actually listen to anything they say. You just mm -hmm. want to keep them talking. So I had to learn how to listen. So it was a real, real eye opener for me. It was a, a big challenge, and fortunately, I had some great mentorship. I, I'm just thinking, I, I just think next time I get pulled over for a ticket, I got to start telling some kind of crazy story <laughs> to see if the officer's paying attention or not, you, as opposed not. to they're scoping out my car to see what else I don't know. I, <laughs> obviously, I mean, it's been many, many years since I've, I've been pulled over, and the thing that helps me is is my ex wife uh, works for the sheriff's department, so the tags I have on the car. Um, our label are still labeled as uh, law enforcement, as law enforcement personnel. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of got that little. So if CHP, put it this way, if CHP rolls up on me, they're not going to pull me over because, <laughs> yeah, I, and, I, and I still keep her business card behind my driver's license that I don't. There you them. go. We call so, it a cold plate. You have a cold plate. So when, when you're on a cold plate, you. Yeah, things are a little different sometimes. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. But let's let's take a look at this because one of the reasons I, I want to speak with you, Dan, since you work for a certification, and you made this, you made a transition yourself. As you became, as you got into the fitness industry, describe describe what it what it's like to be a mid career professional who comes in who says, you know what, I love exercise, I love being active. I hate my job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I think, and the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I think there is somebody listening right now who loves working out, who loves helping people and giving advice, and who would love to learn how to be a personal trainer. They just don't know to go through the process. So let's speak to that individual about how you made that transition and what it was like for you. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I would say, you know, coming at it older, again, I was, I was 40 when I went into the private world of personal training or the, the private fitness, you know, business. And I mentioned that, you know, I had to learn to smile and things like that. That was because of what I was doing. But I will say this, for anybody that's thinking of a career change, you have a lot of life experience and you have a lot of professional experience that is going to be a massive asset when you jump into something new that someone who's just starting out, maybe, you know, just out of high school, out of college, just hasn't had the time to accrue yet. And the word I'm going to use, and I'm pretty dang passionate about this is professionalism. I believe that that is why uh, I went from, you know, let me give this a try to matching my income within a year. Uh, I, I was right back where I was at a captain uh, in income because I was a professional. All those years of understanding that, you know, you don't gossip, you don't use foul language, you show up early, you don't show up on time, you're always fully prepared, you communicate uh, excessively uh, what you're going to do, what you did, and what you're going to do next time, and what homework there might be. It's all of the professionalism that you learn in, in you know, in a career, regardless of that career, that you can bring to the table that I'm, I'm here to tell you, you're going to end up heads and tails above the younger folks, not because they're, you're any smarter, not because you're any better, but you've had, you know, maybe decades of opportunities to make, make mistakes is what I like to say is make a lot of mistakes and learn from them and, and be able to show up prepared. I love that, man, because look, as somebody who started, I, I didn't start my career in fitness, but I entered at about 25, 26 years old when I definitely made some mistakes um, and t- nothing major, right? Just maybe I said the wrong thing to a potential customer and said the wrong thing to a member. And I will never, ever, ever again ask a woman if she's pregnant. Um, yeah, it's never going to happen again. That was a horrible, hor- that was something I did very early. Oh, are you pregnant? Ooh, let's just say that's not going to happen again. Now I make it a habit of, if I think if somebody, somebody in an exercise class might be pregnant, I happen to stand over by them and say, does anybody have any medical issues I should know about? And be, cause <laughs> I, I'll say this for listeners. If you ask a woman she's pregnant once and she's not, you're never going to do that again. But I, I say that because you're right. As you as you get experience in other parts and other jobs and as you mature, you bring with that a certain level of competence and professionalism that, frankly, every industry, Dan, is it, servers, frontline bank tellers. I mean, let's face it. Every industry has people that can do a better job of providing service. And when you come into an industry like fitness where you are on your feet and you're in front of people all day – Having that maturity and that professionalism really takes people far. And I just need to make a note because you said something about being prepared and being on time. And and honestly, if personal trainers could just do that, be on time and be prepared, it would really take – They would. I think they would be surprised at, at the, the feedback. And, and I know there are many, many out there that do a great job. But when you, I'm talking about younger, those young 20-somethings that don't realize that being on time means being a few minutes early and being, being ready when, when, the, when the hour hits, not showing up when the hour hits. But I, I think you're right about that. And, and so let's talk for a minute about the education process. So as you looked at saying you probably understood some stuff about fitness in your previous job in law enforcement, but what type of education did you go through? How did you make that transition, Dan? To, to earn the, the, the credit, the, the credential to be able to work in the fitness industry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I actually, I, I was at a conference this week and I got to tell the story to a gentleman that works at NASM national Academy of sports medicine, another certifying body out there, great company. And uh, I told him, I shared with him that my 12 years of chronic back pain was fixed by one chapter in my textbook. And I'll never forget where I was. I was laying out by my pool uh, on my stomach with the textbook on the ground under me with a highlighter. I'm a paper kind of guy. You know, that's how I learn. And I'm highlighting. And I got to the section on imbalances. And it was an imbalance, overactive, underactive between hip flexors, hamstring, glute complex, et cetera. And I started looking at that thinking, wait a minute, that sounds really familiar. I went from powerlifting to sitting for nine months. I went from wearing, you know, lower heeled boots to higher heeled work boots with my ankles laced up in them every single day for hours at a time, started connecting the dots. And that this was after a dozen years of going to specialists, acupuncturists, chiropractors, UC Davis experts, mm-hmm. and all of them telling me the same thing. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just not 18 anymore. Well, that, I don't buy that. I was in my mid twenties. That's, you know, late twenties and that doesn't work for me. 
once I started applying what I learned in that textbook, including periodization, starting out with balance and so forth, my back pain went away on it on its own, and I haven't had it since. Uh, so what did I? What was the difference? Was the science, the the anatomy and physiology, and how muscles work, and how joints work, and how it's all interconnected. And what what is cardio? We say, oh, I'm doing my cardio. Well, guess what? You're doing cardio right now, man. You know, uh, all movement is exercise. If you're moving, you're exercising and, and it all requires energy. And so understanding how it all connected. And I love to geek out on that stuff. That was the biggest game changer for me. Again, was understanding the why behind it. Why was I doing sets of eight, you know, all the time? Why was I, why am I doing this exercise? And how can I get better results? Or why am I not getting results? Is understanding the science behind. And that's where all the folks like Pete, like yourself, were the subject matter experts, put their heads together and create one course, one book, one process to be able to really understand the human body, how it works and how to train it. That was a game changer. Well, and let's, let's talk about that because I really think the other reason why I wanted to have this conversation, Dan, is to talk about the process of, of how we educate personal trainers and why it's so important that for the listener out there, why it is so critical that if you are going to work with an instructor or a trainer, that you work with somebody who has a certification. So can you talk about, I think you went through somebody else, but talk about the first certification that you went through and, and what that kind of did and how you, how you felt that prepared you for, for this career. Absolutely. So um, I, like I mentioned, my first certification was NASM. Then I went on and, and, and helped uh, lead a company called PTA Global. Now I'm with ISSA. You know, you're never going to hear me comparing notes and saying who does what, because we are all soldiers on the battlefield of trying to help people move better and live better lives, period. We're all on the same team. Okay. We, we just have a, a different logo on our shirt. But what, what the big takeaway for me was everybody is different. We call it personal training. And it is, you don't just watch an Instagram video, which I don't even use it, but I hear it's pretty popular, <laughs> uh, or go to even a fitness conference and learn some cool new exercise and come back and give it to all your clients. It, it, it's not a one size fits all. Uh, somebody, and I can't remember who it was, somebody uh, much brighter than myself once said, there's no such thing as a bad exercise, only a poorly prescribed exercise. So the, the, one of the biggest things for me was understanding how the body works, how exercise both positively and negatively, because it is catabolic, right? It breaks things down, how it, how it you know, influences change in the body and how we create that change. But further understanding that every person is different. So we have to train them differently. We need to look at where are they coming from and we need to provide them something they want to do because very few people actually like to exercise. It's a very small percentage of people that enjoy it. <laughs> And, and those are the folks we're trying to help because guess what? The exercise junkies don't hire us. They don't hire personal trainers. They just go out and do their thing and work out. Every once in a while, they might hire someone like I did because I wanted some advice or some new exercises. We need to, to understand the science behind what we're applying and understand that every person is different. Every client is different. And if you don't understand that, you haven't tried it and used it on yourself, then you're not going to understand that in your business. Well, and, that's, and, and so what you do, and one of the things that I really like about what ISSA has done, and in the interest of full disclosure, uh, we are the, the company I work for, EOS Fitness, is it has established a formal relationship with, with, with ISSA, which is the way we started talking offline. I said, hey, why don't we talk? Why don't we come on the podcast and talk about the certification process? Um, but number one, one of the things I like what you said, Dan, is any certification body is trying to do the right thing and trying to educate people on how to coach exercise safely. And, and the reason why I, I want to really make this point is, like you said, you had back pain. Other people might have pain. But if exercise is done wrong, it can be pretty – it can have some negative consequences, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important, it, again, to understand the dynamics of how the body moves because we can hurt people. And, 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 and when we think of hurt people, I don't just mean like an acute injury where, oh, you know, they hurt their back. That actually is pretty rare. And, and most people don't get hurt working out in the gym. They get hurt outside of the gym because of what they do inside of the gym, which doesn't prepare them for movement for life, for the sport of life. So having an understanding of what movement is, how to, how to, how to assess and then 
you know, some folks don't like the word prescribe unless you're a PhD, but it's pretty universally used. Uh, how to assess and then prescribe movement. If you don't have a quality certification like what we offer that, that gives you that foundation, you have the opportunity and it, it, it's a very high likelihood that you're going to injure somebody. And remember, the injury doesn't always happen in the gym. It's because of what you have them doing in the gym. And then they go into life and they end up blowing out their back, hurting their back, hurting their knee, hurting their ankle, hurting their shoulder. Because what you're doing in the gym doesn't equate to what they're doing in life. And that, that's a big thing. I mean, you mentioned functional earlier. And I would invite anybody listening to, to, to take a hard look at your workout and, and, and really look at the exercise you're doing and then think about how you use your body on a day-to-day basis. Do those movements that you're doing in the gym line up and match the movements that you're asking your body to do? And why is that so important, Dan? Because what is it about, like, let's look at movement and it's like regular movement. What is it about movement that's different than what we might do in the gym? Well, for, the, for starters, it's very three-dimensional. It's very three-dimensional. It involves a lot more balance than we traditionally ever train. It involves reactivity because we have to react when we're getting out of a car, we're, you know, externally rotating our, our, our legs to get out of the car and we step on something that's a little bit uneven. We're not prepared for a movement like that. We don't do anything like that in the gym. And a better example is bending over to pick something up. So in the gym, if you cue a squat, it's eyes forward, shoulders back, crack the walnut, you know, uh, feet perfectly evenly spaced, toes pointing forward. We're doing all these different cues to do the perfect squat. If you're a parent, you've ever had to pick up after your kids and you've ever had to do it in a hurry. There's no movement you do to pick up those toys that looks remotely like the squat that you're doing in the gym. Not even close. So you're in there, you know, and I'm I'm an example of that. I I used to like tweak my back. I was a power lifter or thought I was. And so I'm putting four or 500 pounds on my back and doing squats and deadlifts. And then I'd go to pick up my notebook that has my workouts in it. I would be rotating. So kind of like a lunge and a rotation and reach down for the book and there went my back and it would spasm. And I'd have to figure out how to limp out of the gym without anybody seeing me because I'm not doing anything in the gym to replicate the movement of life. And when you, when people, so if I go through the ISSA program and, and take the certification, what does that prepare me to do? What, what will I learn in, in terms of what, what to do as a personal trainer? Well, from a, a great question, and I would say from a starting point, anatomy, physiology, and how the body works. Okay, that is so important, the why behind the what. Secondly, assessing. Being able to take somebody through a pattern of movements, like a, a push and a pull and a squat and a lunge and a rotation, you know, a hinge, and look at the quality of that movement and determine if there's something that might need a little bit of added emphasis, whether it's in movement preparation, movement recovery, or actually in the the, the training, the goal-based movement or the strength training component so that that person can move better. And again, this this ties all back into injury prevention. And I I would say, and there's a lot, so I'm just trying to make it three because three is easier to remember, is the concept behind periodization. You know, I learned it very, you know, because I was a bodybuilding magazine follower and stuff. This is the days before the internet. So I'd start my exercises at 20 repetitions, two sets, and work my way to the heavier weights. And so at least I was doing that right, but I didn't know why. It's just because I read it in some article somewhere. But understanding the why behind that and the importance of periodization and the importance of progressive overload and why the body needs that, you're going to learn that as well. So if you understand periodization, how to, to write a program that's specific to a person's needs and what those variables, how they change over time, what you need maybe to put a little emphasis on pre and post workout and during, that's going to better prepare you to, again, train that individual that's in front of you. And you're not going to learn that on, on you know, Instagram feeds or YouTube videos or wherever else you're, you're getting or even articles. You know, it, it, it all needs to flow together in one educational component rather than just piecemeal. And that's a big thing because and, and, and I think both you and I can share that concern that I think happens with a lot of consumers out there, right, is you might be going through and looking at socials, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, whatever it is, and you see somebody looks fit, they're active, they're, 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 they have the look that you want, and so you might spend money, you might buy their training program, whether it's a, a workout or a virtual program, but if they don't have any certification behind, if they don't have any certification behind it, what's the risk for the consumer? Well, and, and one of the, uh, 
most common things. And again, I learned this book because I did it. It was what I would call a mistake. And I learned this because I got to see it once I entered the, the private world of fitness training. Most trainers give their clients their workout. It's what they like to do. It's whatever machines or equipment they like to do rather than understanding that there's a different use for all of those things. So when I started training people years before I went into the private industry, neighbors and friends, they were all doing my powerlifting workout. I just changed it up a little bit. Yeah, this is for the girls. This is for the guys. This is, this is a you know, carbon copy of my workout, just less weight. We can't just look at someone and say, I want to look like them, so I'm going to do their workout. It doesn't work that way. It, it, we're all individual with individual needs. What works well for one person may or may not work well for you. And I, let's just face it. Look, genetics, age, all of that plays a role as well. There are some folks, I'm not one of them, that are blessed with the ability to you know, not gain 50 pounds really easy like I can. And they can eat whatever they want, do whatever they want. And we, we cannot ever try to equate ourselves with someone else. We all have very unique needs. Only education is going to help us understand that. Only education and, and continuing education. Don't stop with a certification. Keep learning. The more you learn, the more you earn, the more you learn, the more people you can help. So it's, it's, it doesn't stop there. It starts there, but it has to, there has to be that foundational level of understanding of how the body moves, why it does what it does and why every person needs a different type of a prescription and training. Well, and that's, that's, that's a great response. And what, what that reminds me of is a lot of times when I do media interviews and I talk about how to find, you know, how to, how a consumer can find a personal trainer. One of the questions I asked, Danny, you highlight this so well one of the questions I, I tell people to ask if they're if they're interviewing a personal trainer is, what's the last continuing education that you did? Meaning that if I were talking to you about hiring you as my personal trainer, I would want to know what was the last work damn what was the last workshop or con ed piece you know con ed conference that you went to, because I, I think consumers should know whether or not their personal trainer is staying on top of of the, the current you know where the industry is. Why is it one of the things that that's really impressed me about what what ISSA does? is you have a wide variety of specializations that you offer after the certification. So what is that, that role of continuing education? Because, yeah, I earned my certification. I know what I'm doing, theoretically. But why? Why do I need? Why is that so important for us in the fitness industry to always look to that education for, or look for an education resource? Great question. And, I, you know, I used an analogy this week with physicians. Um, you have what you know we call it like a general practitioner, right? So that's the doctor you go to, and I'm not saying they're any less educated. They just they haven't specialized in something. So they, there's there's certain things they can do or look at and assess, and then they might send you to an orthopedic surgeon. They might send you to an ear, nose, and throat specialist. They're going to send you to a specialist to get additional help. And that's and, and here's another thing. But to your point, Pete. Uh, even in, you know, I've been around the sun a few times, so I, I, I'm a little picky with doctors that I work with. And my wife, who used to be a farm rep, pharmaceutical rep, used to work with doctors. There's something we always talk about is, are they old school hmm. or are they, are they cutting edge? Because you don't, it has nothing to do with age or how long you've been in the profession. In other words, are they continuing to learn? Are they aware of some of the newer techniques or the newer, you know, uh, solutions to, to an injury or to whatever you're seeing them for, or are they doing what they learned 20, 30 years ago and just kind of staying in that place? That's, that's an analogy. If I got certified 20 years ago and I haven't learned anything since, well, first of all, I can guarantee you that person's forgotten 90 plus percent of the material they learned, but they're not fresh in what they're, they're learning and applying. And secondarily to your, to your question in specialization. So if I don't have a corrective exercise specialist, uh, specialization. Does that mean that I can't help somebody that might have some imbalances? Or No, it doesn't mean that, but understand you're just going to get a little bit of that. Your certified personal trainer course and more so the science behind it, but not a lot of assessment and practical application. Whereas if you become a corrective exercise specialist, that's exactly what it is. Same thing with the say strength and conditioning. My favorite example is nutrition because you know, the old I, I don't think anybody's ever truly quantified this, but I think we've said for years, the results are 80% nutrition. And I, I'm a firm believer that nutrition plays a massive role in any kind of desired outcome. 
Well, you're going to get a foundational level in your certified personal trainer. I guarantee if, if somebody, you know, has never taken the course, they're going to learn a lot and go, and there's going to be a lot of dots connected. But if you really want to have a greater understanding of it and how to help people with it, you're going to want a nutritionist certification. So specialization is going to enable you not only to help more people and have a better understanding, again, of the human body and how to help it, but it's also going to give you the opportunity to be able to call yourself out. I'm a specialist in this. I'm a specialist in that. You can stand out from other trainers. I mean, not saying we're trying to, you know, I'm the best, you're not. I don't mean it that way. What I mean is that you can be able, you'll, you'll have the ability to be able to post on a wall, post on a resume or share with a, a prospect. By the way, I have a nutrition specialization. I'd really, you know, be happy to help you with some of those questions. So it's, it's adding to your value as a trainer. No, I, and I love that because that really is. And I, I think for the consumer out there, that if you have a need, as, as if you might relate to Dan and might have a back issue, then looking for a personal trainer with that corrective exercise specialty could help you get to your solution a little bit quicker than going to somebody who just might be a generalist. And I think that's I think that I think people should realize that that if you are working with a personal trainer, some of us specialize in certain things while others might specialize in something else. Like I know I was always focused on movement and helping people like after getting back into their favorite activity if they got injured. I wasn't like a weight loss guy. I wasn't a bodybuilding guy. They didn't really interest me. I, I was more interested in performance, right? And so that, that's where my, my personal area of expertise went. Now, before we start wrapping up, Dan, the one question I might have, that, or the one question I have that's kind of popped up is, for guys like us, if we're in our 40s, 50s, whatever our age is, or for anybody in their 40s or 50s, what would your recommendation be? Should we work, look for a personal trainer that might be our age-ish? Like look for somebody like you who maybe came into fitness as a second career? Or could we be served by somebody who's 20, 25 years younger? What is it about? I mean, and I ask this because, number one, because I want to give, I want to give some validity out there to that listener who might be thinking about making that transition to fitness because there's a need for older personal trainers. I'm going to be very emphatic about that. We need yeah. older, more mature personal trainers. But I, I, what is your, your opinion, Dan? Do, do you think that, that somebody in their early 20s has the ability to work with somebody in their 50s or 60s? When, when we look at age in, in fitness, how would you, what would your response to that be? Oh, boy, that's a good one. Uh, so it's got a, it has a couple of layers to it. First, the first thing I, I want to point out is most of the folks that have the income that are, have the ability to invest in a personal trainer. And I mean, as a, you know, not one session to learn some new exercises, two, three times a week for, for a long period of time, they're going to be a little bit older. They're not going to be in their early twenties. They're likely going to be at least 30 years old, often at least 40 years old to have that kind of disposable income. Does it mean that they're looking for someone their age? No. But what I would say is they're looking for someone they can communicate with and feel comfortable around. So, you know, we've all heard the saying, you know, when you have kids or you know a kid, uh, you know, that person acts older than they are. They, they don't act their age. And sometimes it's the other way around. You need to act your age, Dan. But <laughs> it, it's the ability to communicate, connect, and be uh, uh, you know, a professional regardless of your age, it's going to be most important because you could have a 40-year-old trainer with a 40-year-old client that doesn't act their age. And you could have a, a, a brand new trainer who has the ability to interact and communicate uh, intelligently with somebody 10, 20 years older than themselves. That is going to be the number one thing. You have to be able to communicate and make that person feel comfortable around you. Because here's the thing, clients buy people. They, they pay for you primarily. Secondarily, they pay for what you know. First thing is, can I, does this person, do I even want to be around them? I mean, does this person drive me nuts? The, you know, do they annoy me? That's really important. So age is not that important when it comes to being able to connect with somebody. There is an advantage, like I mentioned earlier on this, to again being older because there's that level of professionalism. I'm not dissing the younger guys and gals here, but like Pete said, be on time, be prepared. Don't communicate in emojis and acronyms in a text message. That's, that's your CEOs, your business owners, your executives probably don't appreciate that. So you want to be able to communicate and relate at their level. But if you, if you can do that and you know what you're doing, 
age is not a is it, it, it's it, it's just a number. I that I love that answer, Dan, and that that's such a I would agree one hundred percent because you're right. I don't think that you need it. I think some some people might feel more comfortable with an age appropriate personal trainer, but as long as as long as that personal trainer has the background, has the education, and has professionalism, I, I would agree 100% that somebody who just started last week could definitely service or work with somebody in their 70s or 80s. Now, as we look to wrap up, where can people get information about ISSA, and what is the process? Like, how does somebody, how does, if somebody's listening right now and they're interested in, like, okay, I want to earn, I'm going to do it, I'm going to get my personal training certification, I'm going to, I, I can't stand my boss anymore, I hate going to work. I'm going to change my life. I want to go to work making half-naked people sweaty because let's face it, that, that's what we do. We make half-naked people sweaty. So who doesn't want a job like that? But but talk a little bit about the process. Of how would somebody go through and, and, and start the certification process with your organization? Absolutely. So we do have partnerships with health clubs like at EOS. Um, and so the, you know, the first thing you might do is check with a, a club manager or somebody in a club if you're a member at a club. That's how it started for me. I was a member at a gym. And so I started asking the employees, who would you get certified through? Or do you have any deals or what would you recommend? So that's not a bad thing. But the, to, to connect with us, which I've got to put a shameless plug in, we are the number one rated and reviewed certification in the industry. Um, and if you want a guide by the side, which is what we do, a guide by the side, you, you can go to our website, issaonline.com. Uh, that's going to be the easiest. From there, you can click around. We have a chat function. There's always folks. There's a phone number on the top right that I don't have memorized that, that you can call uh, to be able to speak to someone and ask what's the best course of action for me wanting to get certified or do I want to take it a, a higher? Do I want to become an elite trainer or a master trainer? Because you, can, you have that option right away to be able to add those specializations initially. Once you've made that, that you know, commitment, and you commit to uh, whether a certified personal trainer or any others or a specialization, just so you know, again, just shameless plug, ISSA is going to reach out to you within minutes via email and a phone call, uh, and you will be assigned a success coach. You're going to have a person assigned to you that you can call, that you can email anytime with any questions, whether it's an issue with payment, a question about a chapter in the book. Uh, anything you want, you have a des dedicated success coach throughout the entire journey and beyond. So you actually have a guide by the side. So I would encourage you to check out the website. Again, use a chat function, make a phone call, whatever you're most comfortable with, and know that once you make that commitment, you're not in it alone. And, and I think that's that's so good for people to hear because I really think well, and I, and I don't think, I know, just from talking to people over the years who have studied, you know that a lot of people get intimidated, right? Especially somebody that hasn't been in school or hasn't studied anything for a number of years. It, 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 cracking open a book at 40-something, 50-something years old to change a career, that's scary. And so the fact that you guys kind of walk people through that, I think it, it is so critical. It, it, it is so is such an essential part of that. Now, to wrap up, too, what, what do you think, in, in your opinion, Dan, where do you think the biggest opportunities for growth are in fitness? Meaning, do you think virtual? Do you think in the gym? Do you think studios like F45 and Orange Theory? Like if, if you're looking, if you're 25 years old or you're advising a, a son or daughter about where they would want to start their career, what would your recommendation be? I guess that's the question I'm asking. So if somebody earns their certification, they're saying, where should I start? Should I start on my own or should I go to work for somebody? What would your answer to that be? Oh, I, it's, I, just, I just had a flashback. So that's how it all started for me when I was considering doing this and stepping away from the state uh, and thinking, should I build my own business? Should I haul my gear around in my car? Should I go to work for a gym? Uh, that was when somebody had given me the number for Rodney and I called him out of the blue. This guy doesn't know who I am, Rodney Korn. And that was my question to him. That was, can you give me some advice? Should I do my own thing? And back you know, then virtual training was not a thing, but should I do my own thing or should I go into a gym? Now we've got the, the virtual mix and the boutique mix. So this is Dan's opinion. First of all, maybe something's really calling you. Maybe you belong, you're a member at a boutique gym, like an F45 or an Orange Theory or something like that. And you're like, this is what I want to do. Okay, well, it, it answered itself if that's what you really want to do. But if you're looking at this very openly, like entering the, the fitness industry in some capacity as a trainer, coach, personal trainer. Here's my thought. Go to a gym. 
Uh, and there's going to be a couple of reasons for that. Number one, the, you know, let's just call it the way it is. You have to find clients. You have to find customers. You have to find folks that you train in order to build a business. It's limitless, folks. They're everywhere. Okay. They are everywhere. There's five to 10,000 of them that are members of the health club. So you don't need to be selling your face and, and posting daily on your Facebook and your Instagram to try to capture one or two folks. They're everywhere. So that it, like an endless supply of people you can help is, I would say, the biggest advantage right there. What goes along with that is if you started a health club, you're going to be exposed to different things. You might have a youth. You might have an older adult. You might have somebody that's recovering from a surgery. You might have somebody preparing for some type of athletic competition. There's a lot of variety. And you're going to figure out pretty quick what you're passionate about or what you really want to work with. And maybe more importantly, what you don't. So what I learned, uh, Pete and I are different. I love working with weight loss for personal reasons, for family, personal reasons. Uh, that was what I liked. I didn't like working with athletes. I didn't particularly enjoy working with kids, although that's a goldmine, folks. I'm just saying. That's a goldmine. With older adults, it's an absolute goldmine, both of them. Uh, and I have kids, and I know how much I spent. So uh, that's there's definitely, if you enjoy working with, with youth or older adults, that's a great way to specialize. But you're going to learn that in the club. And I wouldn't have learned that if I hadn't trained all of those. Doesn't mean I didn't train them and I didn't care about them. I just knew that's where I didn't want to specialize. I think that is a foundational level to be able to understand this is where I want to specialize. This is where I want to spend my time. And I have an infinite, I have an infinite opportunity to meet people is kind of a no brainer of where to start your career. And, and here's the other thing. There's so many opportunities to go from that. I mean, that's where I started. And I'm not saying anybody should aspire to be in my position, but that's where I started was training people on a fitness floor and drumming up clients, building a business, and then eventually a fitness director. And so, you know, moving my way into the, 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 the gym component, you might find out that you want to specialize and take on a special group. You might want to work your way up in the gym chain and become a, a director of education like Pete. You never know where you could end up, but there are a lot of different directions you can go from a health club. So that was a really long answer, Pete, but obviously I'm always going to vote, start with a health club, get in there and just start helping people. And you're going to learn a lot about yourself. I would get no, honestly, Dan, I would give the exact same answer. Even, even if you were somebody that wanted to open up your own facility eventually, I, I, if you can't run a fitness business in somebody else's structure, if you can't go work for a large company and follow their playbook and execute it and be successful, you're not going to be successful opening your own business. So why on earth would you go sign a lease or pay for equipment if you can't even make it? Make, anyway, that, that's what I've, I, so I, I, I agree 100% with your answer is that I always look at working for a health club as like that extra, hey, you can have a great career. I, I have colleagues that have spent 15, 20 years working for certain health club companies and have had phenomenal careers. And I've also known people that have started their own companies and it's scary as heck, but they've, they've, they've ended up doing well. And, and I'm sure you and I both know people that had to shut places, you know, because business oh, yeah. didn't, didn't go as anticipated. It just, I mean, I think we call that life, right? Is you learn and you do the best job you can and you adapt and you, and you move on. Well, Dan, I really appreciate this opportunity to, to catch up and to get to know you a little bit better. And more importantly, like I said, I really, I fundamentally believe that there's a listener out there right now who they're working out, they're driving, whatever they're doing right now, and they're going, you know what? Uh, today is the day. They're going to go to ISSA online. They're going to get their, their study buddy, and they're going to get rocking and rolling. So for that, for to the listener, I want to say welcome to the fitness industry. To Dan, to you and ISSA, I want to say thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate the opportunity for this conversation. You bet. You bet. And I echo that, Pete. Uh, that's exactly what I did. I signed up for certification, uh, dove into the pool, deep end, uh, head first, and uh, it all worked out just fine. So face your fears if you want to try something new. There's nothing more rewarding, and there's absolutely opportunity, absolutely opportunity, regardless of your age. Yeah, you know what? That's funny is when we were having the original conversation, when 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 I was being interviewed for the ISSA podcast, Dan and I, where Dan and I connected, is we were just talking about the whole idea of showing up, being prepared, and being ready. 
right? I mean, that's not, that's not a secret to life, folks. And, and, I, and I mean that sincerely. When people ask me how I got to do what I do in the fitness industry, meaning speaking, doing everything, writing, all that fun stuff, it's because anytime I had an opportunity, I showed up, I was prepared, I was on time, I was prepared, I was ready to go, and I had a good attitude about it. Here's the thing, things aren't going to go perfect. I've, I've shown up to do things sometimes before and the health club had no idea I was coming. The person who was supposed to be there wasn't there and they're like, wait, what are you doing here? Who are you? Where are you from? And, and, but you have to be able to roll with it and adapt with it. One of the things I love about fitness, one of the things I absolutely love about fitness is it's still such a new and growing and developing industry. And I mean that, like with, with my job um, with EOS Fitness, we're doing things in, in our health club company that didn't exist a few years ago. And I know that we're going to be doing things in five to seven years that don't exist now. For example, we have a virtual reality solution, meaning that in some of our newer, larger health clubs, we're putting in virtual reality studios. Now, does that mean I'm going to train like virtual reality? No. But what that means is we're putting in solutions and we now have a person whose full-time job is to manage our virtual reality program. So that was a job that didn't exist a few years ago, right? I mean, we didn't have virtual reality fitness. So what I mean by that is if you had any thought, any thought whatsoever about wanting to start a career in fitness, it doesn't matter whether you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and I mean that even in your 70s, I would love, love, love to hire somebody like Dan who has experience in another career, maybe retiring from his first career. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're getting ready to take a 25-year retirement. You're in your 50s. You're going, you know what? I'm not ready to stop yet. I want to keep working. And because you're doing retirement, I mean, we all need to make money. But you don't have to make money. There's a difference between having to make money and having to make money. right? If you retire, hopefully you plan well and, and you have a savings. But I look at fitness and personal training as the perfect job for retirement. If you're retiring, you're still active and you're in your 50s, 60s, even 70s, you love being being fit, you love helping people, why not do a few hours a week or a few hours a day at a, at a, at a health club, at a fitness center? One of my favorite guys I've recently met through EOS Fitness is our, our personal trainer for our location in Temecula, a guy named Brian. Brian had 30 years of career in Marine Service, or sorry, Brian had a 30-year career in service to our country in the Marines. And he retired. I can't remember. He was a master sergeant. He retired as one of the senior sergeants. He was probably a master gunnery sergeant. I think is what he retired as. I remember having this conversation with him. But here he is in his early 50s, a 30-year career in the Marines, and he was not ready to take it easy. So what did he do? He got his certification, and he's now one of our more successful personal trainers up in, at our Temecula location. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're getting ready to take that, that retirement and you're thinking, you know what? I am not ready to call it quits. Well, that's why I had this conversation with Dan is because this was for you out there thinking about that second career, thinking about what am I going to do, thinking about I love being at the gym. How can I make this my career? That's why I had this conversation today. You have the information for how to find Dan, ISSA online. There are other certification organizations out there. Folks, a certification is like a driver's license, right? It doesn't matter whether it's ACE, NASM, ISSA. It doesn't matter whether you got your driver's license in California, Nevada, Utah. It really doesn't matter. It still means you know how to drive a car. It doesn't matter where you got a certification or if you got a degree in exercise science. What matters is that you have some sort of formal education that means you know how the body responds to exercise. And that goes for if you look to hire a personal trainer or work with a fitness instructor, make sure they're educated. There's so much that goes into designing a well-thought-out, a well-planned exercise program that you can't just wing it with somebody because they look good in an Instagram post. Hey, a lot of information there, a great conversation. Dan's a great guy. Anybody who spent a career in law enforcement is somebody who has their heart in the right place. If you want to reach out for more information, reach to me at Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. Hey, you know what? I know that, that I have another thing going on right now. I love doing this podcast. It might not be my highest priority, but I love doing it. I love having these conversations. And as long as I keep fitting it into my schedule, I'm going to keep pumping these out. And hopefully you keep enjoying them. So with that, as always, thank you for stopping by. And I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.